Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, It's a little bit gloomy out there. The prospects of of everything going horribly wrong are still pretty high. Uh, But don't worry, uh, here we have the first three hours of the day uh, in which you can sit back you can relax, you can contemplate your navel, uh, you can think about all of the things that are happening in the world, and you can have a view on every single one of them, and you can tell us what you think. First up, of course, we're going to be talking about the nurses' strike. The Royal College of Nursing has disgracefully voted, uh, and they won't tell us how many people have voted, by the way, uh, to go out on strike. That's right, uh, the NHS, which is already on its knees, which is already completely and utterly scuppered, uh, cannot have more uh, than uh, 17 million people waiting for some kind of operation or other. They tell you it's 7 million, it's not 7 million, it's 17 million. We have people calling in every single day to tell us how useless the NHS is. We have people every single day uh, telling us that they can't get a doctor's appointment, they can't get a dentist to look after their kids' teeth, they can't get an operation. We've had people emailing us in their dozens and in their hundreds telling us that they've got an operation booked for sometime in December. What's going to happen if the nurses go on strike? Nobody really knows. Some uh, health authorities in England apparently had such a low turnout in this vote that they couldn't actually find um, the enough enough people to actually vote to go on strike. So some places are going on strike, some places are not. I think it's the wrong move. I think the people who are organising this are shouting out the death knell of the NHS. And what they're actually going to do is they're going to find themselves in a very, very unpopular place. The people of this country are sick to death of public sector workers moaning and groaning on about inflation. I'm sorry, if you're making 30 grand a year as a nurse and you're going to a food bank, then you're spending your money on too much other stuff. It's as simple as that. I'm not going to sit here and pontificate about people who make less money than me, but what I am going to do is tell you that you will have no sympathy for the nurses when you find out precisely what's going to happen when they do go on strike. Because what is actually going to be the situation. I asked a nursing representative last night who was from something called the NHS Confederation. This is an organisation of people who are paid six-figure salaries to do very little medicine. They don't do any medicine. It's run by one of Tony Blair's political apparatchiks and all they do is waste money. And quite frankly, we're sick to death of people going on strike. We're sick to death of the NHS being useless. You can't keep blaming Tory governments for the NHS being useless. There's millions of people working in it Why can't they just do their jobs and get it better? 
0344 499 1000. Matt Hancock's in the jungle. We're going to talk to Isabel Oakshaw up first. She's writing a book with Matt Hancock. Uh, when he comes out of the jungle, that book will come out. She's been saying of late that he's a very hard-working MP. Many of you are saying he should not be taking his MP salary while he's in there. He was unveiled last night as the latest member of the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here crew. And it all looks a bit weird, doesn't it? We'll be talking about that. The new John Lewis ad is out. We'll be looking at that as well. I'm going to look at it for the first time actually on this show. And I'll give you my immediate reaction to it. Also, uh, we'll be talking about Qatar because the England World Cup squad is going to be announced later on. Uh, So we'll find out exactly what is going on there. There's an awful lot of nonsense being talked about Qatar. Of course, the sainted Gary Lineker and the sainted Gary Neville, the two Garys, they're both going out there uh, taking money uh, from, in Gary Neville's case, uh, the Qatari government. But he says he's going to be complaining about their human rights record. Oh, yeah, pull the other one, Gary. He's got bells on it. 0344 499 1000. Uh, those idiots from uh, Just Stop All are out in force again today as well. Once again, up a gantry on the M25. Up several gantries on the M25, actually. Why can the police just not put that no-climb paint on, as somebody suggested yesterday? Incredible. Anyway, listen, lots to do. Plenty of time to do it in. Remember the number, because we want to hear from you. 0344 499 1000 is the only number you will ever need. You tell us what you think, and we'll tell everybody else. Also, is it the end for Donald Trump's political career? We'll talk about that as well. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let's get it on. Welcome to Thursday. Uh, of course, it's also Thursday Club Day, and we've got Helen and Nicola. There's a tube strike on in London, by the way, in case anybody cares. Um, there's more strikes going on around the world now, in this world that we live in, uh, particularly Britain, particularly London, uh, than I've seen for a very long time. But interestingly, they're not really having much effect. The RMT strike's going nowhere. They're getting nothing like what they want to get from the government. The nurses are going to go on strike, and I suspect they will not get anywhere near 17%. And who the hell do they think they are asking for 17%? Oh, inflation, really? Oh, you're going to take a pay cut when inflation goes back down then? Probably not. Let's talk to Isabel Oakshot and get some sense on the show. Isabel, a very good morning to you. Morning. I'm not sure I'm going to give you any sense because I actually disagree with you. I mean, I, I'm going to give you credit for a spectacular rant against the nurses. Thank you. Look, we, we're in a, a global marketplace for healthcare workers. And I, I'm sorry, I just don't think nurses are paid well enough. They do an incredible job. I totally agree with you that the NHS is a disaster. Yeah. It's nowhere near good enough. But we're not going to make it fit for purpose by underpaying the healthcare professionals on whom it depends. To me, they are, along with actually the doctors, the priority for the money that's already sloshing around the system. It's not that we need to throw yet more billions at the NHS, it's that we need to start diverting some of the money that is used on a load of absolutely unnecessary dross, you know, whether it's diversity and inclusion, people that sit in uh, warm offices pushing bits of paper around and chin stroking about whether they're being nice enough to a whole range of different people, and actually divert some of those resources to those at the front line who really matter to patients. Well, that's a very good point, and I agree with you on that point, but that doesn't help the nurses, unfortunately, you know, unless you actually do take that money and re-divert it towards the nurses. But, I mean, the nurses' pay is very well structured. You know, you join uh, as a one particular grade. You can move up through the grades. You can make anything from something like twenty four, twenty five thousand 25,000 at the lowest ebb up to about ninety or 100,000 at the highest ebb. So I know that they've been out there with their propaganda saying, oh, most nurses are on band four or 
band five. They're only making about £30,000 a year. That's an average salary for this country. How much do you think they should be getting? Well, I think we need to be realistic about the importance that we attach to them. Now, this country, for reasons best known to itself, appears to have decided that the NHS is the be-all and end-all. I happen to think that the system as we have it, is fundamentally flawed. I think it's a complete basket case. Yeah. But if everybody is going to collectively agree that this is the only system and we love it and we'll do everything we can to make it sustain, then we're going to have to pay nurses accordingly. I would give them 40, 50 grand, whatever it takes to run a health service that provides consistently the quality of care that patients are entitled to expect. And the key word there is consistently, because plenty of people have a really positive experience when they go into hospital or when they have other forms of more routine care. The problem is that, you know, plucking figures out of nowhere, um, one in five, one in 10 of those experiences is a disaster. Mm. Um, And look, everybody's decided they want the NHS, they love the NHS, it's the best thing ever. So let's make it the best thing ever, rather than the worst of all worlds, which Mm. is spending a colossal amount of money on a complete shambles. Yeah, and I I think, again, it's a very noble cause that you're championing here, but actually the NHS is so broken now that I don't think it can be fixed, and the only real future for the NHS is for somebody to go in and completely strip it down and put it back together again differently, because at the moment it simply doesn't work in so many areas. I mean, every single day, Isabel, you'll know this, I talk to people out there in the general public who can't get an, uh, an, an appointment with the doctor, who can't get a dentist to look after their children on the NHS, because they're all full up, who can't actually get any form uh, of appointment with the second part of what they need to do. You know, we say that there's 7 million people on a waiting list. There's another 10 million above that waiting for a second appointment who have been seen once, but who haven't been seen uh, secondly after that. So it's a ridiculous situation. And I just think that, you know, while nurses are, yes, hailed as as heroes and heroines and whatever uh, the non-binary version of that is, you know, they are wonderful people and they're all great. Well, the truth is they're not all great. And the truth is many of them do make 40 or 50,000 pounds a year. And to ask for 17% of a pay rise just because of inflation, to me, is totally unrealistic and it's taking the mickey. And to blame the government for absolutely all the ills of the NHS, I think is also wrong. Well, I think it's worth remembering that this has dragged on for years and years and years. Um, So, you know, two years ago, in the middle of the pandemic, nurses were rightly asking for more at that point, and they were offered a derisory 1%. So it's not like this has gone from naught to 17 uh, in no time at all. Um, You know, fundamentally, I agree with you. I deplore striking. I really don't think strike action uh, is is very often justified at all. And it's highly kind of unusual and uncomfortable for me to be supporting uh, anyone who's taking that action, let alone those who run a critical frontline service. Uh, but I find myself in the unusual position of being sympathetic with their cause. Mm. Uh, where I do agree with you is is that this thing is broken. You know, I was in Australia um, last week and uh, listening to the problems that they've got there and sharing um, thoughts about where we are with mm. our many political challenges. And I said, I, I told an audience over there that 
the government here has got an aspiration that everybody should be able to see a doctor within two weeks. Yes. And jaws just dropped to the ground. <laughs> the, the Australian politicians were like, if you couldn't see a doctor within 24 hours here in Australia, there would be an absolute revolution. You know, it is absurd yeah. that we're accepting but, such a low level. Exactly. But there's an awful lot of myth-making going on. I've got breaking news here. Average waiting times for ambulances reached the highest level ever across England. I mean, I did a show last night uh, in um, our TV studios out in West London with Kevin O'Sullivan, and we spoke to a woman who was from the NHS Confederation, which is the organisation led by Tony Blair's former uh, chief advisor, paid uh, six-figure salaries to people to do nothing but basically lobby on behalf of the NHS for money, which they already get anyway. And, you know, I've got a text here from Yvonne who says, I'm sitting in an outpatient orthopaedic department at the moment. There are seven, yes, seven nurses standing around the desk talking. Now, you'll say, well, they're allowed to talk. You know, it's not not against the law. That's fine. But what I'm saying is that we need to get away from this. You know, the NHS uh, is this very noble institution full of really, really happy yeah. people who do nothing but help other people. And they're so selfless that when they get home at night, they collapse into into their beds, absolutely exhausted in fits of tears. No, that's not what's going on. Let's get away from that. So there are, of course, um, a few people that do fit that uh, characterization. Um, but look, nurses, like anyone else, exhibit the full range of human behavior, weaknesses and all. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, there are amazing nurses and there are lazy nurses and there are amazing nurses and there are nurses that don't show up to work mm. or re repeatedly call in sick, just as there are for any other exactly. profession. Um, and we need to be able to have an open conversation about this. No, they're not all angels, but let's keep the good ones. Uh, you know, the worst case scenario is to be hemorrhaging the best nurses, the ones that work the hardest, because they don't feel that what, they, what they're earning is actually sustainable and they can make better money elsewhere. Mm. No, listen, I get all that as well. But listen, it's a fantastic conversation we're having and we're going to have more of it because I want to ask you, of course, about uh, your latest quarry, uh, one Matt Hancock. Uh, you were doing a book with him. Uh, he was on TV last night uh, to some amazement, I think, from generally speaking, the entire nation uh, who are wondering what on earth he's going to do next. Isabel Oakshot's here. She's Talk TV's international editor. Uh, she's got a book coming out about Matt Hancock. We've talked about the nurses' strike. We've got loads of you who want to talk to me. Keep those calls coming. We will get to you. This is Talk TV. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, talk radio and talk TV. Across the UK, people are looking to save on their monthly bills. Switch and save £200 on average versus BT on all Vodafone full fibre broadband plans. That's up to five times more reliable than standard broadband. From only £22 a month for 24 months. Switch and save today to get reliable broadband without the price tag. Vodafone. 24-month contract credit and availability checks apply. Comparison made against comparable BT plans. Terms of verification at vodafone.co.uk slash broadband. Imagine a place where you can escape for a day. Get immersed in a world of rooms, inspiration and expertise. Where you can laze in luxury accommodation. And kids can feast from 95 pence. Tickets are free to everyone and include all the attractions. You've just imagined a day out at IKEA. IKEA, the wonderful everyday. Christmas lights aren't easy. And sure, you haven't put them up yet, but you have untangled them. And that's the hardest part. So why not take a moment for yourself with the new caramel waffle latte from McDonald's? It's Christmas after all. 
Available until the 14th of February 2023. Not available on delivery orders. Participating restaurants only. Subject to availability. With Tesco Mobile this Christmas, you can get an extra helping of data. Because our 30 gig SIM is just £11 a month with club card prices, saving you a very merry £36. So spend less on your SIM and tuck into more this Christmas. This is Supermarket Mobile. To switch, pop in store or search Tesco Mobile. Every little helps. Ends 28th of December. What's 12.50 saving £1.50? Club card, 24-month contract, unlocked 4G enabled. Nationwide, by your side, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're talking to Isabel Oakshire, our international editor here at Talk TV. Just before we move off the nurses and the NHS, Isabel, uh, a bit more amplification of those uh, ambulance figures. Uh, the average wait times for ambulances now are 9 minutes, 56 seconds for Category 1, which is life-threatening. That's pretty good. The target is 7 minutes. 1 hour, 1 minute and 19 seconds for Category 2, which is an emergency such as a heart attack or a stroke. That target is 18 minutes. That's not so good. And then 3 hours, 34 minutes and 34 seconds for Category 3, things like falls at home. But we obviously see quite a lot of those stories uh, where people are waiting 14 hours or 10 hours and all that kind of thing. Um, it just seems to me that, you know, we need to... This is really not what we need at this moment in time, a strike by the NHS nurses. And what I asked the nurse representative last night was, how does this strike look? What will it be like? Will you do it like the RMT, where you do sort of Monday, Wednesday and Friday, and supposedly Tuesday and Thursdays are OK? And she didn't know. She couldn't tell me. I said, well... Surely you know whether you're going to plan to take an entire week. What does it look like? And she said, oh, well, we'll probably do emergency uh, A&E services, but we probably won't do anything else. And it's like, well, you can't, you can't do that. We're not hearing um, Isabel at the moment. You went to hospital? Yeah. I mean, if you've got any, any possible option of going somewhere else... I would say hospital is to be avoided. Obviously, in most situations, you're only going to hospital because you absolutely have to. But we know very well that mortality figures spike at weekends across the NHS because there are lower levels of staffing. So I would not be at all surprised if we see a spike in mortality figures during this strike. Yeah. In fact, I'd be very surprised if the opposite happens. Surely it is going to lead to higher death rates. Yeah, so effectively, we're going to have a strike that kills people, in other words. Um, I think I wouldn't put it like that, but I think you'd be perfectly entitled to put it like that when you're challenging mm. the nurses over their strike. Because in reality, as I say, we know that those figures go up when there are less people on duty. There are uh, ratios of staff to patients for a good reason. Uh, and already there are issues around that. So on strike days... It is going to be the case that patients will suffer. Simple as that. Yeah, absolutely right. Let's talk about Matt Hancock. He went. He went into the jungle last night. Uh, he went in as a sort of slightly uh, late addition. Um, he made his entrance in a typically Matt Hancock sort of way. I don't know whether he deliberately sti slipped and fell off almost the bridge that he was walking on. But let's have a look at Charlene White and Matt Hancock last night from ITV's. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Why are you here? Because there's honest truth is because there's, it's, there's so few ways in which politicians can show that we're human beings. 
so few ways that politicians can show that they're human beings. Isabel, you know plenty of politicians. I do as well. Um, they are human beings, but they're a kind of unusual brand of human being in an awful, in an awful lot of cases. And the, the messages that I was getting last night from various people watching it was, this is compelling. Uh, it's weird. Uh, it's very odd. I can't stop watching it. I mean, clearly ITV have got a hit on their hands because everybody's watching Matt Hancock because they can't quite believe that he is the man that he is. You know him. Uh, you're writing a book with him. Uh, you've said to me before that he's one of the hardest working MPs uh, in, uh, in the Parliament. Um, but he is a bit weird, isn't he? Look, I was absolutely gripped to that last night. I've never watched I'm a Celebrity before. I've always been a bit kind of almost a bit snobby about it, thinking, oh, I'm too busy for that. And oh, my God, it's amazing TV, isn't it? I am now addicted to this thing. Um, and I sort of half had my head in my hands. But also, you know what? I think he's going to surprise people on the upside to be clear, you know, I'm not here as Matt Hancock's great defender. I've been working on a book with him. It's nothing to do with the jungle adventure. Uh, but what I can say is that this is not a guy that's going to be a wimp when it comes to those awful trails. And we saw that last night. He's just going to get stuck in. And I think people are going to be, if they've been hoping for some crying, quivering wreck whenever he has to do something horrible, they're going to be disappointed. Yeah. You just roll up his sleeves and crack mm. on with it. Oh, I think so, yeah. I mean, I think what people do underestimate about politicians, particularly those who get to as high offices as he has got, uh, is that they are very determined people. They're very intelligent people and they're very kind of um, single-minded people when they need to be. So I don't have any doubts about that. I just think that his argument that the more you get to see of him, the more you will understand what he's like. I don't think that will be a good thing for him because I think you know, people will go, oh, my God, he's quite strange, isn't he? But no, you're right. I mean, there are plenty of people who are telling me that, um, you know, they quite like him in a geeky sort of way. He's sort of like your geeky mate at school who's, you know, doesn't really ever get the girl. But in his case, he did. Um, but, you know, it's, he's, he's, a, he's quite an interesting character. Look, he's highly intelligent, and what you're not going to see is Matt bitching about anybody in that jungle. You know, he's been set up for a fall uh, by the whole way that it's been uh, presented, you know, him coming in late. We saw the other um, jungle celebrities um, bitching about him behind his back, saying, what's he doing here, muttering away? You know, for Boy George to take the moral high ground... Oh, yeah. A man that was sentenced to a considerable time <laughs> in jail after an attack on somebody, right. you know, I thought was pretty rich. You'll never see Matt doing that. That's not his personality. He's ridiculously tiggerish. He's ever optimistic. He will shrug off the criticism. Uh, he's obviously starting from a very low base. You know, you can quite see it on the faces mm. of the other jungle celebrities that they're none too keen on him. I think he'll win them over. Yeah, I think he may well do. But on a more sort of level playing field, politically speaking, I think there ought to be a way, uh, should there not be at least, of suspending his salary or, or of asking him to give up his salary uh, while he's there because he's making an awful lot of money. He's not, whatever he may say about his team answering people's questions, he's not there to serve his constituents. He's in the jungle. He's on a reality TV show. Uh, and we, the taxpayer, are, fun are funding his, uh, his salary. So I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure that he said that he's going to be giving all of that salary for the for the period that he's away. He will be giving that to charity. I'll need to check on that. Mm. But 
Actually, the amount that they receive per month is nothing compared to the reported fee for the jungle. So I would be astounded if he's going to, uh, as you would probably put it, trouser that money uh, while he's gallivanting around in in Australia. Well, that's fair enough. However, I'd still rather not be giving it. You know, it's all very well when people say, oh, I'm giving it to charity. It's my money he's giving to charity. I don't want him to give it to charity. I just don't want him to have it. Um, well, look, I think we can we can all envy um, such an enormous amount of money for such a very short period of work. Although I have to say, I wouldn't want to be crawling. No, through that I would never do. It. I literally would not do it for a million just, quid. No I chance. Just, I don't think I could do it. No. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be about how much. I just I'm not brave enough. Um, I would also say, though, he has got an incredibly good team, Matt. You know, I know plenty of MPs that doss around for most of the year, never mind for a limited period of time, you know, in Australia, there are MPs that routinely uh, take the mickey out of taxpayers by not working very hard. Mm. Matt Hancock is not one of those people. And bear in mind over the 18 months that he was effectively in charge of the UK's response to the pandemic, he didn't have a day off. You know, I think he had one day off, perhaps in the whole year. Mm. You know, he has given, you might disagree with his, his policies, and I am very publicly opposed to many of the things uh, that they did during the pandemic. But no one can say that the guy doesn't work hard and, and didn't work hard during that period. No. Listen, uh, it will be an unpopular view, but I, I salute you for having it. Thank you very much indeed. Isabel Oakshot there uh, talking to us from uh, her perspective as Talk TV's international editor, but also as the author, co-author of a new book coming out with Matt Hancock, uh, My Pandemic Diaries, I think it's called. But he's in uh, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. I don't want him to give his money to charity. I just don't want him to get the money. It's as simple as that. This is Talk TV. On DAB+, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. An awful lot of you are like me, very, very, um, I, I would say, uh, sentimental about nurses, but not necessarily in favour of them actually going out on strike. My mum spent 25 years in the NHS, uh, says Alex, and says she spent most of her time trying to get lazy nurses to do their job. She said 80% can't be bothered. They also cover up poor treatment. One guy was very fat and needed a specific larger toilet, but no one was around to help him. Um, Admiral attempts at popularising Hancock from Isabel, but she's not going to redress the wrongs he's done, uh, says Archie. Um, And one from uh, Tad... Uh, in, day, in Tad in Cambridge. Mike, nurses do a good job, but I'm not buying this business of them being so poor they need to use food banks. Most of the ones I've seen are well overweight and need to go on a diet. Uh, he says, some must be 25 stone. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? Adam says this, no way should Matt Hancock be paid his MP salary while in the jungle. If he remains an MP after this debacle, then he will have to declare his jungle earnings. There should be a rule that MPs are not allowed a second job or money paying sidelines. It's a privileged job and they should uh, respect uh, the, uh, the being taken over um, and, instead of, oh, what's that say? No, I'm sorry, we've lost that. Um, people taking our language and taking our traditions. I don't think what's that's got to do with Matt Hancock. Um, let me tell you this, though, because coming up later on uh, in the day, uh, around about two o'clock, I believe, uh, the names of the England squad are going to be named uh, for the World Cup. I've got a question. Is anybody actually going to the World Cup in Qatar? Because if you're an England fan, I would have thought you might be thinking twice about it. It's going to be very expensive. Uh, there's not going to be many opportunities to have a good time and a good laugh. You're going to have to be on your guard all the time in case you end up getting arrested and chucked in some hellhole prison for 20 years uh, because you said the wrong thing to the wrong person uh, or you got too drunk. 
Is anybody actually going to the World Cup? Do you know of anybody that's going? Because if you do, uh, do let us know. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Right now, though, uh, let us talk uh, to a press photographer, Mr. Tom Bowles, because once again, the Just Stop Oil nutters are out in force um, today, back on the M25, back on the gantries, the police seemingly incapable of stopping them. But yesterday and the day before, for some reason, bizarrely, the police started arresting journalists, right? Even though they were being presented with actual cards, press cards, to prove that those people were working legitimately for the press, they were arrested uh, and they were taken in in handcuffs. Tom Bowles was one of them. Let's have a look at this. Put it somewhere. So what, what are you doing? At the moment, you're under arrest. So why? Can I have to tell Okay, I'm a press, I'm a member of the press. Can I give you three minutes? Can I show you my press card? Sorry, officer, you, you can't arrest me. Okay, so, no, because I'm here as a member of the press. Yeah, I need to be firm now. Yeah, you can be detained on 6 1 pace. What? Criminal? Section 4. Yep. Right, my warrant number is PC 292. I'm, a, I'm, quite, I'm quite obviously a member of the press, you know, in the middle of the camera, it's a public place. Listen, it's only a search. You're being why are you searching me? If, um, why, sorry, why? Search you for items <laughs> of racial damage. Why, to tell you. <laughs> why are you handcuffing me if you're just searching me? <laughs> You have to hold your camera so it doesn't get damaged so you don't drop it. I'd quite like to keep hold of it myself. Well, you're going to be putting handcuffs, so... I don't want that to get damaged. Uh, you, you, can, you can search me if you really want, but I don't really want to just give you my camera. You know, I appreciate that, but you you're back on handcuffs, so, so the camera doesn't get damaged. You have me to take that off of you. Um, <laughs> probably don't have much choice, do I? Not really, but we're just all going to camera, mate. I'm going to be on this. What is wrong with these people? You know, these are the same police, right? We can't seem to stop the Just Stop Oil protesters from clambering up gantries day after day after day. Let's talk to Tom Bowles, who's uh, the man you saw in that little piece of footage there. Tom, uh, very good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. Um, I'm quite shocked at that, really. I saw it yesterday um, and I was astonished because I couldn't quite hear what section of whatever um, law they were arresting you under. What were they claiming you had done wrong? Uh, they, uh, I think they eventually arrested us for suspicion for conspiracy to cause public nuisance. <laughs> I mean, beggar's belief, really. I mean, we criticise the police a lot on here, and we also know that there are some very good people in the police who do good jobs. But this seems to me to be Jobsworth United, doesn't it? Tell us what happened from sort of that point on, from when you were handcuffed, you were asked to put your camera down. What happened then? Uh, I was, um, yeah, I was handcuffed and then detained and searched. Um, and then they handcuffed me behind my back, put me in a police car, drove me for about an hour to Stevenage Station, um, checked me in again they i was trying to emphasize the press card because it's important that um, the press card's an important uh it's an important uh, tool to yeah. have um, in the same way that it's kind of you know i know that you described them as uh nutters um i don't describe them as nutters because i'm kind of I, i'm not i'm not sort of pro them but i'm not anti them in the same way that i wouldn't describe the police in an aggressive manner yeah because well i'm very I anti work... them that's why i call them nutters but that's that's, yeah, the, but work, that's your work... that's your privilege uh, tom you can call them whatever yeah, you want I, I work alongside both the police and the protesters and i need to have you know i need to have a good working relationship with with uh, both sides sure otherwise because of you course know, like, no i get that I end up in a situation like this where i'm arrested um yeah so, but i mean I'm... so far you've, you've done all the right things and you've still ended up being arrested yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was put in prison. I, I, was, I was checked in and then... Um, they actually put you in a cell? 
I was putting a cell like a like it looks like on uh, any TV or uh, you know film. It Did they take small. your belt off you in case you decided to hang yourself? Took my belt, took my shoes. They want, wanted to take my wedding ring as well, and I was I was like, <laughs> actually, you know what? I'd rather you didn't. And they were saying, oh well, protesters sometimes do this, and I was I made it abundantly clear I wasn't a protester. Um, uh, they made, they let me keep my wedding ring, which was uh, decent of them. Um, but then I was held in the cell uh, and interviewed sort of till... Um, I, I was held in the cell, nothing much happened for a long time. I was eventually interviewed at about 10 o'clock at night um, and then released at half one in the morning. So I was held for about 13, 14 hours. And presumably total. your car was back where they'd lifted you, was it? Uh, yeah, my car was just where it was. And, uh, and did, they, I, did, they, I, did they take you back to the car? Uh, they did, uh, yeah, they did, which was um, a, a, a complete surprise uh, to me. I wasn't expecting that because mm. um, I've, you know, I've heard of other other uh, photographers that have been arrested and they've been sort of left in the lurch. Mm. And I was all expect, you know, I was all sort of expecting it and you know expecting to just have to get a cab and then, uh, yeah, take legal action afterwards. Right. Um, they've issued a statement um, to the press in which Chief Constable Charlie Hall says they recognise the concerns over freedom of the press following the recent arrest of journalists who were present at the scene. As a result, additional measures are now in place to ensure that legitimate media can do their job. Primarily, officers have been instructed to ensure they conduct full and thorough checks before making an arrest decision, as well as getting a final approval by a supervisor before making any arrests of anyone who is identifying themselves as press. I mean... The press card that you hold is, I would imagine, issued by the police, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, uh, issued by the police chief's council. Yeah. So, so uh, surely, I mean, if their argument is that, you know, there might be some members of the uh, non-legitimate press uh, who are posing as members of the press, I get that. But if you've got a police-issued press card, then clearly you are not one of those people and you should uh, be left alone. Uh, well, absolutely. But also, um, I mean, th that's something that I, you know, I and other uh, members of the press and other photographers push for you know i'm i'm more than happy to show the police my press card um and i i try you know a lot of police haven't seen press cards and you sort of it's important to explain how it works there is a number on the back you phone it up you don't have to give any details you don't have to say who you are you don't have to be police and you give the reference number on the front and you say i'm just checking the validity of this press card and they go um yes it's valid till and they give you a date it's valid till it's, it takes i mean it takes like five mm. seconds Mm. Um, and I've I've um, I've been in situations where um, police have questioned why I was there during COVID. You know, um, when people weren't allowed to be out, I was out photographing and uh, stopped by the police, and they um, requested my proof. And I showed them my card, and I explained what had to happen. I need to use my card to get into Downing Street to get yeah. you know the Conservative Party conference, the Labour Party conference, stuff like that. I mean, so what happens now? I mean, have you been given an assurance personally that this was a mistake? Because you ought to be given that. And if you haven't been given that, uh, are you seeking it? Um, I don't, no, I, I've, I've had no uh, no uh, communication with Hearts Police. I'm, I am taking legal uh, action. I'm taking, you know, I'm speaking to lawyers about this. Um, the I have to say, the duty solicitor that I uh, had was was really really good and sort of you know the first sort of friendly voice that i'd spoken to mm. sort of voice of reason um and but i've it's passed on to a, a firm that are dealing with this uh, that that will um take the case forward on my behalf mm. because also as, as well as being arrested um uh, the the police decided that it was there was reason enough to uh search my house 
So You're joking. At 11 o'clock at night, three male police officers arrived at my house. Um, and While you were still in custody? I was in custody. My wife, you know, I was trying to get in, you know, trying to get stuff, information to my wife. But obviously you can't because you're in uh, prison. Um, That's ridiculous. And, that is outrageous, actually. Three, three police officers arrived at my house at 11 o'clock at night and searched it. And have you got kids? Yeah, I've got a 14-year-old daughter. They were both, you know, rightly concerned. Of course. I would be um, absolutely hopping mad. I don't know how, how you're staying calm, Tom, to be honest. I'm really sorry about what's happened. Um, Thank you. I'm, I'm going to hope that you get some kind of compensation. But, of course, the irony of all of that is that the comp- whatever compensation you do get uh, will be paid for by the taxpayer. And this absolutely- shows that the, that the police in this region of, of the law are completely out of order. Completely out of order. Yeah, I mean, they, they, the, the, the police just need to be um, educated Oh, it's a very, very straightforward thing. And, and you know, 99% of the interactions with police that I have are good. And, yeah. you know, I know that you don't like the protesters and I, I, I don't agree with all of their sort of tactics and stuff. And I know that there's sort of like comments about police offering uh, protesters cups of tea and blankets and mm. stuff. I've, I've covered a lot of protests, a lot of other stuff as well, but a lot of protests. And I've never seen um, police offering cups of tea. Um, what they do is that they... Well, engage... we've seen pictures of them offering bottles of water to them. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. So, well, I have. So I'm just, I'm, yeah, so I'm just saying I haven't. And, and, and one of the things that, 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 you know, the police are in a tricky position because what they have to do is um, they have to go through a procedural-based thing before they can arrest or move. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And I agree with you, it takes too long and it's irritating, but... It's a procedural thing. Which, well, let me put which, it to you this way, Tom. Um, well, if, I'm, if I'm standing watching a protester up a gantry and then I'm watching you taking the picture, I'm pretty sure who the criminal is and who the photographer is. Oh, uh, abs- absolutely. You know, not rocket no, science, no, no. is it? 
No, it's not, and I, I, I agree with that. No, um, absolutely. Well, listen, Tom, good luck with it. I'm sorry for what you went through. That's absolutely horrendous. Imagine having the police turn up at your house where your children and your family are living at 11.30 at night to search it because you've been taking pictures of a protest. I mean, what is going on? This is Talk TV. Fast Talk, Street Talk, Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk, Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Here with you all the way through until one o'clock when it's time for Ian Collins. Uh, we've got the Thursday Club coming up. Uh, we're going to be also talking about all manner of things. We're coming up in this hour. We're going to be talking about Matt Hancock and the jungle. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. We're going to go live down to Australia uh, to get the Sun's showbiz reporter Emily Weber, uh, who has got the fortunate job of actually covering Matt Hancock's trip down under uh, and to be able to catalogue every single thing that he says. We've been watching some of the clips from last night. He was introduced to the show, of course, last night for the first time. Uh, and you have to say, uh, it was quite a strange thing to have to see. Also, uh, we're going to be talking to Martin Lipton from uh, the, ta- the Sun. Uh, he's going to be talking to us about Qatar, because later on this afternoon, uh, the England football team squad is going to be named, of course. And uh, the question I've got for all of you out there is, are any of you actually going? Because Qatar doesn't sound like an ideal place to have a World Cup. It's not a place you can really have a drink. Uh, It's not a place you can, shall we say, um, act out all of your different fantasies. It's not a place where you can be yourself. You have to be on your guard at all times. It's pretty much uh, a military state, if you like. And it's not really the sort of place to go to have a good time to watch the football. But we'll see what he has to say. Also, Nick Freeman's going to be joining us. He's known as Mr. Loophole. Uh, He wants to talk about Just Stop Oil protesters, as well as, of course, uh, problems on motorways in general. General. 0344 499 1000 is the number. I've got this uh, from a texter who doesn't give a name. Uh, interestingly, the two journalists arrested by the police yesterday were both treated differently. The other one was not questioned at all. They should compare their experiences, but it sounds like wrongful arrest and false imprisonment. The other one was handcuffed, and that definitely shouldn't have happened because they were compliant. Well, this is the thing. Trouble now is with the police is they decide to handcuff you on the basis that that's their policy, no matter whether you present a danger to them or not, because that, it says in the book, is what they're supposed to do. And that seems to me to be what's wrong with the way the police are operating at this particular moment. 0344 499 1000 is the number. We'll come to more of your calls very, very shortly. Let's go down, though, now down under to Emily Weber, who's a showbiz reporter from The Sun. Emily, a very good morning to you. I guess it's evening there. Yeah, evening, Mike. Nice to see you. Um, Obviously, Matt Hancock has been the sensation of the show so far. He turned up last night. Let's just have a quick look at one of the trials that he undertook before I ask you about it. Keep going. Okay, I've got to. Keep going. Okay, I've got to. I've got to a tunnel. Another tunnel. Yeah. You're going in. Yeah. Right. Feel around everywhere. They could be anywhere. Oh. Oh. That's a load of slurry. Just pulled on my head. Wait, are you still carrying on? Yeah. Wait for me. Okay, come down the tunnel. Head. Are you ready? Is that your shoe? That's your foot. Yeah, that's my foot. Yeah. Oh God. Oh. Going, but I can't find any stars. Oh, one minute gone. <laughs> so here there's a left turn or straight on. Which way do you want me to go? Which way do I want you to well, go? I don't mind. I'm not a sat nav, I don't yeah. know. Which <laughs> way do I want you to go? <laughs> well, hang on, what? Um, I'm, going, I'm going left. Right, okay. Can you feel my foot? Uh, yes, 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 yes. 
Spike, we've got... Oh, something's been blown on me! I think someone was put over there. Keep searching around. You okay? What? God, it just makes you cringe all over, really, doesn't it? I mean, it's quite a remarkable yeah. um, choice for, for, for the Rhyme of Celeb, but it's obviously a success. Loads of, I mean, I think everybody in Britain watched it last night. I don't know whether that's going to be shown in the ratings, but um, it's an amazing thing to watch somebody who you used to see doing these podium press coverages about people dying of COVID suddenly now crawling around covered in maggots and getting slurry thrown at him. Absolutely. And especially, yeah, seeing someone who was the former health secretary crawling through a burrow and having to then go to Mole HQ. I mean, you really just couldn't make that up, could you? you... Um, but it was great watching. It was great telly. Um, and actually, Matt did really well in that trial. We saw him take the lead. It was him who was having to direct Sean Walsh mm. um, as to where the stars were. Um, I mean, they did get six stars out of 11, which um, didn't go too well down in camp mm. obviously they're hungry and that's only feeding half of them yes i mean the thing that surprised me the most last night was the reaction of certain people here um who have formed all sorts of whatsapp groups and um some of them who said oh i thought i was really going to hate matt hancock but actually i kind of like him he's a sort of um friendly neighborhood geek Yes, especially when we had that moment between him and Sean and they, he was sort of singing Ed Sheeran lyrics and you just couldn't help but think he, he didn't seem the Matt Hancock that that we knew. It just seemed like, as you said, the, the sort of geeky, bumbling person, you know, even when he was falling on the bridge into camp, uh, even bathing. It all just seemed very awkward, but he couldn't help but watch it. It was yeah. just so cringy, but awkward. Yes. And will it sort of, it would be hard for them to keep that kind of momentum going. But I mean, we know they're quite good at it. It's the first time they've been back in Australia uh, for a couple of years, thanks to, in many ways, Matt Hancock, actually. Um, so what's going to happen tonight? So tonight we will see, um, so Matt's been voted in to do another trial um, and absolutely no shock there. We knew that he probably would be getting to do another trial. Um, and this is a trial where he's submerged in water. So he'll be having to get stars while the water, I understand, will be rising above him. Um, but as we saw last night, you know, he did very well. Um, but that could also rub people up the wrong way in camp if he keeps being voted in to do the trials and they're all stuck in camp. Mm. And it's such a small space. You know, they, they want to get out. They want to do their bit as well. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I suppose the interesting thing will also be how he ends up interacting with all of these people, because we saw him, uh, did we not, yesterday talking to Charlene White. Let's have a quick look at that as well. Why are you here? Because there's... Honest truth is because there's, it's, there's so few ways in which politicians can show that we're human beings. Yeah, well, he's not doing it for the money then, obviously. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to play out, you know, because, I mean, presumably they don't know how much he's been paid and nobody ever knows how much any of the others have been paid, but I presume he's rather at the top end of it, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, as we understand, you know, he's in the six figure sort of category, um, but his sort of reasoning for doing it, you know, wanting to show the real him, that just not seemed to wash with anyone in the camp last night. We saw obviously Charlene was grilling him in the treehouse. Uh, even Mike Tyndall, you know, I, I won't repeat what he said, but he just said it was a load of rubbish. Um, <laughs> 
what what he what he was coming across with the reasonings um and then obviously boy george um was quite an emotional scene his mum was in hospital yeah. during the pandemic um and he he even said you know if i'd have if she'd have died i would have to walk out i could not physically mm. be in the same camp yes although a lot of people have said that uh, the picture of boy george taking the moral high ground is a little bit difficult to stomach considering his history you know Yes, of course. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people on Twitter were sort of taking their sides there. Um, and it is, it is just one of those one of those things which people have an opinion on. Um, but it was emotional to watch. He was he was upset. Um, and it will just be interesting to see how that will play out. He's mm. got to be in a very small confined space with somebody for the rest of the two weeks and at some point they're going to have to they're going to have to bond they're going to have to maybe be doing a trial together yes absolutely right we're told um you got a big spread in the sun today um in part of that it said that matt hancock's partner gina colodangelo is getting regular updates from uh, uh, from down under on his welfare um i suppose they have to be very careful in these kind of shows now about how they look after people right Oh, yes, of course. Um, And already we've seen um, Love Island's Olivia Atwood. We don't know why she left, but she was um, the first person to have to quit our medical grounds. And obviously they've all been in a bubble as well. They all had to isolate before. Um, And, you know, mental health, as we know, is a massive part of these shows. A lot of these people who have gone in and maybe have been not as known as the bigger stars, they'll be catapulted into the spotlight as we saw um, with Scarlett Moffat as well uh, a few years ago. She went to sort of overnight fame and she could have gone to the supermarket and probably not been recognised um, to, you know, being stopped in the street for selfies. Yes, no, absolutely right. Um, and so the, the sort of, I don't know if the betting has begun yet on who's likely to emerge as a winner here. It's very early days, of course. Um, but what's your sort of take on it yeah. so far? Who do you think is going to emerge? I mean, obviously Matt Hancock is going to have all the focus for the first few days, but maybe in a week's time, people will have got fed yeah. up with him. Yeah, I think he will be the one that stays, you know, maybe sort of top three, maybe top five, just because people will want to have that for entertainment. Um, But Jill Scott is someone she is always positive. She is so witty as well, which I think is really coming across Mm. and just seems to get along with everyone. There's not one character in there that she doesn't seem to have that banter with. Um, She seems very fair, very willing to muck in. um, And I think it would just round off an incredible year for her. It would, it would after the euros as well yeah no absolutely right um and who's your money on as far as uh, you thinking of a winner at this point or is it too early to say obviously jill i think jill would probably be my winner at the moment um possibly then um i think boy george or chris moyles um i think they could be two three um and i think matt as well i think you know what he probably could win people over if he keeps sort of coming out with these sort of awkward, cringy moments. Um, you know, people are just going to want to see it. You know, it, it's it's good telly, no matter what people think of him. Um, and I think he will possibly, you know, go quite a long way. Yeah, I think so. Well, we'll be watching it, I'm sure, uh, with uh, bated breath. Great to talk to you, Emily. Thank you very much indeed. Emily Webber, showbiz reporter at The Sun, reporting into us from down under. Front page headline, Slimy Matt gets massive dose of creepy crawlies, and they call him... Hancock Roach, which is not bad.
I have to say. Uh, how about this from uh, Romy, who says, I've visited outpatients in my local hospital four times in the last few months, twice seeing a consultant and two tests. All the nurses were rather bored. At one point, they fought over taking my blood pressure. Obviously, some work hard, but all are not overworked angels. Well, I think that's right. I think you have to put a little bit of perspective on this. I'm not having a go at all nurses. What I am saying, though, is if you are basically planning to go on strike while you know that by doing so, people will die, I think that's an unconscionable decision and I think it's indefensible and I think it can't happen. You must not go on strike. If you're a nurse right now, I'd love to hear from you. I want you to tell me what on earth has given you the right to cause people's deaths just because you want a few more quid in your pocket. That, to me, is ridiculous. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we're going to speak to Martin Lipton, football editor at The Sun, uh, because Qatar is upon us. We will be going to the World Cup. England squad announced later on, but also football fans could be paying up to nearly a thousand pounds for roaming fees for a week just if you put on your data on your phone to send a couple of pictures back to your girlfriend. A thousand quid for heaven's sake! It's mad, isn't it? This is Talk TV. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio, and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. The big story of last uh, week was really the migrant story. Suella Bravman, of course, uh, becoming the Home Secretary again in Rishi Sunak's government. Uh, it was the big story for quite a few days. This week, it's kind of slightly gone off the boil. And we're talking, of course, about the migrant crisis. We're going to talk now to James Daly, Tory MP for Bury North. He's got a big piece in the sun uh, this morning. Fix the Albanian migrant crisis or lose the red wall. Uh, is what the headline says. And I think uh, he's absolutely right about that. Um, people are arguing all over the place from various different points of view that it's not the Albanians' fault, Albanians aren't all criminals. But there's serious problems here uh, with the numbers of people coming to this country. I'm hearing that there's a, a, a place called the Atrium Hotel out in Hounslow, which is near Heathrow, normally used as a sort of stopover point for people travelling to and from Heathrow and to other countries. It's been commandeered supposedly by the Home Office and by Serco, uh, and it's now full of something like four thousand migrants. James, um, a very good morning to you. This is a massive issue for this country. We've been talking about it for the best part of two years. It's finally taken until now for the rest of the media to sort of catch up with us. But I do worry that there are some senior politicians in this country who don't know how big of a deal this is. Well, it's massive, Mike. Uh, And hopefully my piece has just uh, contributed to the facts of the matter. You know, when we look at it, it's an absolutely appalling situation and it should be a wake-up call for us all because there's no sign of this stopping no. there's no sign of you know the, the, if, if anything the numbers are going to go up and up and up and just for people watching i mean the figure's more than this now but we are currently spending 1.8 billion 1.8 billion per year on hotel bills for um small boat crossing migrants claiming asylum it is madness mike and yeah. people deserve to know the facts of the matter you've done a great job mike over the, the period of time talking about this with you know people like you know my mate lee anderson yeah um but we now need to act well, that's right, because, I mean, people are sick to death. What's obviously very clear to me and has been for a long time is that this is now a business. You know, this is not about people desperately coming here because they've got nowhere else to go. It's about criminal enterprise. It's about massive amounts of money being made by people smugglers. And it's about running criminal gangs into this country. And whether they like it or not, the left are going to have to accept that. And they're going to have to say that we are now in possession of knowledge that proves that many of the people coming here are not really asylum seekers at at all. Well, as I say in my article, Mike, this is not just me and you saying this. This is Commander Dan O'Mahony 
who is in charge of uh, of these problems in the channel, he, I'm a member of the Home First Select Committee, he told us that the reason why this escalation in Albanian immigration is coming is because of the strength of Albanian organized criminal gangs in the north of France. We are seeing the biggest transfer of criminal activity from one country to another that I've, I've certainly ever witnessed. And it has to stop. Mm. It, it, it is what it is. So people can call me and you, Mike, or say that we're this, that, and the other. Listen to the Home First Select Committee when we were talking about this. The, Dan O'Mahony made it extremely clear, and it's in my uh, Sun article, what he said. And you obviously know the Red Wall better than most. I mean, what are you hearing when you talk to people who voted Conservative, maybe for the first time uh, in the last election, to give that big majority to Boris Johnson? You know, for them, this is the number one issue, isn't it? I think throughout the country, when people know about this, you know, Red Wall, you know, it, it, I don't think we should just limit it to that. You know, we cannot be in a situation of, in a in a few weeks' time, uh, it's very soon we're going to have a, an economic statement where we're going to make some very difficult decisions economically. We're going to ask people, perhaps, I don't know what, what's going to happen, Mike, perhaps to pay more taxes. We're going to see some reductions in funding of frontline public services. It is inexcusable that we are going to continue to spend billions on hotel bills for people who are entering this country illegally. And it's not just a red wall. It's, it's all over the country. You know, I, I speak to my colleagues, you know, we're going to run out. I'm not exaggerating this, Mike. With the numbers coming in, we're going to run out of hotels to actually house. Yeah. Well, well my, my understanding is that's that's already happened. I mean, we started yeah. we started to get calls from people, I would say, about four or five months ago saying, you know, my local hotel in Wakefield is a place where we used to book parties. I was wanting you know, people wanting to book a, a, a retirement party, 65th birthday party. Can't do it now because it's full of migrants. It's basically closed off to the public. And whenever this happens, the staff in the hotel get laid off and they get replaced by people from Serco who are supposed to be running things. We're hearing today about this Atrium Hotel out in Hounslow, uh, which is housing loads of people. And at the end of the day, other countries in Europe don't put up with this. You know, they don't accept uh, asylum seeker claims from Albania in Germany or Sweden. Uh, they've got, um, um, you know, agreements in place to send Albanians back to Albania. We're supposed to have one of those, but we only send a few hundred compared to the thousands that are coming. Yeah, I mean, Germany have had their agreement in place since 2002. But just, just to, if you don't mind, Mike, just a few of the other facts about this, which yeah. are completely inexcusable. Until recently, so we have people working in the Home Office decision makers. So the first tier of people who are deciding upon asylum claims, they, they're the ones who take the statement, make a, a phone call, etc., to establish you know the, the background to a matter. They're making one decision a week, Mike, until recently. Mm. You know, the aim of the government, I support the government completely, this Home Secretary, but, you know, the Home First Select Committee was told the hope in terms of decision-making would be four a week. Four? That should be done before lunch on Monday. Yeah. You know, we can't possibly address a backlog, which is over 100,000, by people making four decisions a week. Mm. Because they then get appealed, and let's not modern slavery. You know, it is ludicrous, as I say in my article. You know, Albania is a safe country. There's no civil yeah. war going on. There's no problems like that. You know, they're coming through safe countries to get here. And if, you know, a vast number of the Albanian males, over 10,000 of them who have come aged between 18 and 40, will make a claim under the Modern Slavery Act, that takes on average 450 days, mm. 450 days to sort out. So although we can talk about lots of other things, the Home Office has got to get itself sorted mm. out in terms of how it organises mm. its staff to do things in an efficient way. Mike, in any other business, that level of productivity would not be tolerated. 
No, exactly right. And what do you think is the problem in the Home Office? Because to me, there's a, there's a, there's a dual sort of problem. One is that ideologically, there's a lot of people in the Home Office who d don't actually want these kinds of policies to be carried out by this government and they don't want to do it in the same way that the Border Force's own union was taking the government to court over some of their policies that they wanted to roll out in the channel. And second of all, they're just civil servants who are not very good at doing any work. Well, I mean, it's like everything else, Mike. That, you know, I have to preface this: is that I'm sure that you know there are good people working in the Home Office and working very hard and trying their very best to do things. But I do think that one of the things you've seen, especially recently with the Home Secretary and the attempts to force her out of office, I don't know how to describe it apart from it being a sort of left-wing blob, mm. a sort of you know, how can I put it? It's a there is a, a there is a, a very powerful group of individuals in this country who want to impose their ideology on the rest of us, who feel that we must be taking, we must take the most lenient view possible in respect of asylum claims. Now, I think that that sort of way of thinking about things has seeped through to the Home Office. Yeah. I was in a conversation with one of the ministers recently, and we grant far more asylum claims than France and Germany and countries like this. And one of the great ironies, Mike, is I keep getting told about how in many ways we should be, you know, back in the European Union, following the example of, you know, our, our friends in Europe. But on this issue, the left don't want to know about that. No. They don't want to know about the agreements in place between France and Sweden. You know, these bastions of toleration that we keep getting talked about. You know, it, it's utter madness. And I, I just, it needs, it needs wholesale rant, you know, changes. But I think it does come down to, it's got to come down to incompetence. The management of this system, in certainly in the last 12 to 18 months, has not been acceptable. No, it absolutely needs to change. It needs to change fast. But we've been hearing this a lot, though, James. I'm pleased that you're getting involved in it um, because up until now, an awful lot of previous Home Secretaries have promised work and then it never, ne has never come to anything. You see, my, my, my point about my piece, Mike, was that I backed Wella Broadman 100%. No Suella for a long time. She's come in, you know, you've seen the tap from the left on her already because they, they know that she means business in respect yes. of this. She's got the determination. I wouldn't come on a programme like yours, Mike and waste my voice in terms of if I didn't think that, that the Home Secretary was serious. You know, I think this Prime Minister is serious. I've, talk, I've talked to him about it. I think he's going to back the Home Secretary. I think we're going to get legislation. We'll have to see what that is. But we, we are where we are, and we can't tolerate anymore. There are kids who can't get school places in Kent. Yeah. There are all sorts of examples about this. You know, I was amazed, Mike. I mean, I, don't, I, I probably misunderstood this. When I asked Commander Oman in the Home Affairs Select Committee, how much money are we spending to... Uh, to in the channel to stop people coming over. So the Royal Navy, uh, they're, they're there. What was amazing turned out to me was the Royal Navy, for who we pay at least 50 million pounds a year, are not there to stop people. You know, they're doing a good job of making sure people survive the crossing, but essentially they're there to, to make sure that people get across here safely. I mean, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? I mean. Incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm actually speechless uh, for once, which is not great. Uh, James, really good to talk to you. Thank you so much. We will have you on again because James Daly, an MP, properly doing his job for his Conservative constituents and for the entire nation. He's the MP for Bury North, but he wants this stopped and he needs to get it done. So we need to help him and support him. It's got to end. It's nonsense. This is Talk TV. The home of common sense. Talk radio and talk TV. Only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The independent republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV.
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We are into the third hour of the show and it is Thursday, of course, so Helena Nicklin will be along with the Thursday Club, notwithstanding the tube strike, notwithstanding the trains that don't run, even though they're not on strike, notwithstanding the traffic, notwithstanding the weather, notwithstanding any of the things that can affect us badly when we're trying to get from point A to point B. Uh, we've got strikes up the wazoo today, of course, because we've learned that the Royal College of Nursing also wants to have a strike. That means for the first time in their history, nurses will actually go on strike sometime before Christmas. We're going to speak to a doctor coming up in this hour, Dr. Amos Ogunkoya, uh, who's a GP. Um, I've met him a couple of times. He's spoken very eloquently on behalf of the NHS, and we want to get his view on whether these nurses should be striking, whether it's some kind of political position. Uh, I don't even really know exactly how many nurses have balloted to strike. They say they've got 300,000 members, but I'm pretty sure most of those members did not actually vote. There's an awful lot of places in England where there wasn't enough people voting uh, in order to actually achieve the numbers for a strike. So we know that there's going to be an awful lot of inconsistency out there. A lot of people asking me, uh, very concerned, whether if they've got an operation uh, scheduled, whether that's going to be cancelled, whether if it's not an emergency, they're going to be seen by a doctor, whether they're going to be able to get into hospitals. Nobody really knows. I asked a member of the NHS Confederation last night uh, on the Jeremy Carl show whether uh, the strike was going to be a kind of RMT style, one day on, one day off type strike, or whether it would be a whole week, or whether it would be a weekend, or whether it would be a bank holiday weekend. We just don't really know precisely what um, this scenario is. So let's find out from Dr. Amos what he thinks might be happening. Dr. Amos, a very good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's nice to be on. How yeah, nice to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. I mean, there's a lot we don't know about the nurses' uh, plans because I'm not even sure if they've got any plans yet that they can put to their members. But, but what's your understanding of what a nurses' strike would actually look like? Um, I think... I don't want to preempt what the um, RCN are going to do because I think the big step is this is unprecedented that the fact they've decided to strike. Mm. Um, I think that was the big decision. I think the nuts and bolts of what they're going to do, from what I, I mean, the junior doctors had a strike similar um, action a few years ago, and what that entailed was keeping emergency services going, yeah. um, but withdrawing um, labour for the non. Um, emergency stuff, so the elective stuff. Yes, and that's the stuff that lots of people are waiting for, isn't it? Because we've got 7 million people on a waiting list uh, for all sorts of procedures. We've also got another 10 million, we're told, sort of secondary waiting list uh, behind that who have been seen by one doctor but maybe need to be referred now to another one. So you've effectively got 17 million people. This is not going to help, is it? It's not going to help, but I think, I mean, you're, you're very sensible. You know that for people in this in this kind of profession to make this action, it must be, it's, it's, it's something that, that they wouldn't have taken without deep thought. Mm. I mean, I do think that any strike has to have an effect and the effect has to be proportional to what they're trying to stop happening down the line. And I think nurses for years have seen a real-time cut and forget about the money they're seeing the working conditions and the safety of their patients overall diminish because the job isn't attractive for people to go and work in yeah and i've been talking to a lot of people about this particular problem dr amos and, and i'm of the opinion that the nhs itself is the problem rather than the government you know because i'm not defending them and i know that there are plenty of accusations about funding which get made but I mean, I don't think anybody reasonable could look at how much money the NHS gets on a yearly basis and say that it's underfunded. I think they spend their money badly. But also, the exodus of nurses and the way that people are treated inside the organisation is surely down to the people running it, isn't it? I think you're right. I think there's an element of, um, and this is not 
this is not about the clinical staff. This is this is about how the organization is organized. Mm. Um, there's an element of it can be run efficiently. It can money more money can be put into the nurses are basically saying we should be paid more. There's definitely money for that to happen. Yeah. But where, why aren't we receiving that? And I mean, you hit the nail on the head is where is that money going? Yeah. And we're losing nurses who are coming back to work as locums or agency staff. So the same nurses are same and they're getting paid twice as much. Yeah. Are we using the money efficiently? Right. And if nurses are making that choice because it's available to them, you can't really blame them in the same way that I have a slight problem with doctors who are trained to work in the NHS and who then also do private work um, because they can. I mean, I wonder whether we should just take a whole root and branch approach to the way that medicine is, 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 is done here in this country and make it much more difficult for private you know, um, work to be done by people who are supposed to be working in the NHS. Well, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. If you make the environment inhospitable for the people who want to work, I mean, I believe in the NHS and I believe most nurses and most clinical staff do believe in the services free the point of use. Mm. But if you make the environment inhospitable for people to people, we're talking about nurses using food banks and they can't maintain a, a good leave, living for their families, then you they will work in other places and there's going to be more attractive job opportunities for these really highly trained people. And um, so what the nurses are saying is make it more pleasurable and make it uh, more lucrative because they've had a 20 percent real cut in their actual wage over the last few years and that's not sustainable and to get a below inflation um raise is another cut essentially to them yeah exactly right and the problem is as well that you know we know that there's an awful lot of people maybe as many as 40 percent of people working in the nhs who are not working in medical jobs who are not working in clinical jobs and i know that you need a certain number of administrative assistants and you need managers and all of that but somebody's got to take a grip of this haven't they and whether it's an individual health authority i know you work in different places so uh, do you notice a difference in depending on where you actually are geographically um, yes. I mean, that's the classic postcode lottery that people talk mm. about in terms of quality of care. I mean, Richie Sunak, and I'm not a politician, said that he wasn't going to cut funding to the NHS and he wants um, doctors to provide a better service. Mm. And the way that you really can, and medical staff provide a better service, is how do you make the NHS more efficient? Um, do we have too many managers? I'm, I'm not au fait with all of the nuts and bolts of that, but that's a possibility. But the key thing is really is the core of the NHS is patient care. Mm. And if the nurses are striking, it's because they believe that patient care is in trouble mm. and it's going to be in trouble in the future. Is there any chance that this has got a political tinge to it, though, Dr. Amos? Because mm. it feels a little bit like that, because obviously there are an awful lot of trade unions right now making noises about going on strike. We've got the postal workers, we've got the NHS now, we've got, um, you know, the rail workers, we've got uh, all sorts of people threatening to strike um, and make it a sort of winter of discontent. It sort of feels like it's organised that way. Uh, it's difficult to say. I mean, I can only comment on the health. I mean, I'm very in the health world. And I think sometimes um, people believe they should be. And I think it's right. I think they should, especially in the public service, um, not maybe, maybe not such in the private sector where you can negotiate. They feel that when cuts happen, it hits them the worst. Um, and people should. I mean, I'm, I, I support workers and I believe that um, workers want to do the best. And if they don't think they're being treated fairly, I think strike action is should always be on the table. Mm within proportion. Well, that's a little bit different with the NHS, isn't it? Because people mm. have said, and, and even people in the NHS have said it, that it will cost lives. If nurses go on strike for whatever period, people will die. It's, that's, that's, 
that is one of the that's one of the difficult things about striking, which is why I I'm very mean. I've got one of my best friends as a nurse. I've got so many nurse friends that that idea that they're willing to strike means that they feel there'd be more lives lost if the, uh, the NHS and nursing services keeps going in the direction mm. it is. Yeah. So I think that is the that's the crops of things. If in the future you've got staff levels that are cr critically low, which that happens across the country. Patients will die anyway, and that's that's the biggest problem. Well, that's it. I mean, patients do die, um, and I guess I mean I'm wondering as well whether by paying more money to nurses who are currently in the NHS, will that have the same effect uh, as as making it more attractive, if you like? So, will more people then want to come and do the job, or is the job so horrendous that nobody wants to do it? I think the job is deeply. Uh, it's not horrendous. It's very fulfilling. I think what they mean by that is that. Essentially, when you plan care ahead, you plan based on the staff you know is going to be there. You can't plan um, assuming you're going to get agency staff in. So when you make beds available, it's based on the work first you know will be there. As that pot gets smaller, you need you you can't maintain a service basically. Mm. So basically, if you was to start recruiting nurses tomorrow. Where would you recruit them from? I mean, is it from overseas? Is it from other countries? Because I was told the other day by somebody that there's a kind of a healthcare business war going on that's, you know, there's not enough medical people to work in all of the medical systems in the world. And so there's a sort of competition going on as to who can get them. I mean, that's, that's I think that's a workforce problem around the world with, with trained individuals. I think people, um, highly trained individuals, which nurses are incredibly highly trained, mm. can especially British trained nurses can go abroad and have a better quality of life. Um, and our health service is amazing and people do want to work in it. But mm. I think aspects of it need to be addressed. And this is one of the aspects that need to be addressed quite quickly, really. Yeah. And in terms of your own position, Dr. Amos, mm -hmm. as a GP, um, mm -hmm. will you be affected if there is a nurses strike? Are there nurses in doctor's surgeries that will also go on strike? Of course there are. They're, they're nurses and doctor surgeries and the care is kind of, it's, I mean, primary care feeds into secondary care. So things slow down in secondary care, primary care GPs have to um, sort things out slightly different ways. And so we can't, on those days when they do strike, we need to be aware they're happening so we can um, tell people different pathways. So it, we have to, ne to negotiate it. But I think the clear thing is we as GPs and doctors and everyone I've spoken to are supporting the nurses. Mm. And we're, we're, we believe that this is, for them, this was a tough decision, and I think that I think the history will say this is probably what the right decision. Mm. And do you think, in the end, I mean, we've seen the Secretary of State for Health say that he's willing to negotiate with them uh, on mm. on the basis of some kind of pay rise, but probably not seventeen percent. Do you think this is just going to end up being a, a negotiating position? They won't actually do it. I hope I hope the nurses get what they they want because I think they've asked for it. Reason I hope we don't come down and we don't get a strike. I think. The nuts and bolts of the, the strike action, I hope we never get to that. I hope the, the the politicians and the RCN sit down together and come to a reasonable solution to pay these people better. Mm. Good to talk to you. Dr. Amos Ogunkoya, GP and broadcaster there, telling us that he hopes it doesn't come to it, but he thinks they're serious. And people are going to go on strike knowing that they're going to cost lives. That's an extraordinary state of affairs, I think. And I think you agree. 0344 499 1000. Andy in Derbyshire has got a good idea. He says, morning, Mike. I can only assume Serco are making large profits from the immigrant crisis, just like the energy companies. So treat them the same with windfall taxes to pay the hotel bills. What a great idea. Let's windfall tax Serco. Never mind the oil companies. Let's do Serco. Do them over. Make them pay. This is Talk TV.
The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> 